Well, friends, if you've been part of our church family for a bit, you hear us talk a lot about Jesus. And that's because scripture says that Jesus is the head of our church, the church, the global church. Jesus is our redeemer, our savior, our foundation. Jesus is the definer of who we are and the giver of our life. And every once in a while, we'll do a sermon all about Jesus that is not part of a sermon series to remind us of the things that perhaps we can forget, to discover new things about Jesus that reorient us back to how significant and central and foundational and supreme Jesus is for our individual lives, but also for us as a community of faith. And so today is one of those sermons. It's not part of a sermon series. We're going to take a look at Jesus. And one of the things that I'm so fascinated with Jesus is that on one hand, Jesus is part of the Trinity, the Godhead. Jesus has existed eternally. And at the same time, Jesus has stepped into God's creation in the form of a human being, fully human, fully God, Jesus from Nazareth. And while Jesus was born at that historical moment, grew up and lived among people, we hear him teach, and he was mighty in word and deed. And as he taught, he often would describe himself. And the best source to understand who Jesus is, is Jesus himself in Scripture. And what I find fascinating also about Jesus is the way that he communicated about himself was using common images and metaphors that resonated in the ancient Mediterranean world. For example, when he would describe himself, he would say that I am the good shepherd in a culture where there were shepherds. He would say, I am the bread of life. All who would partake in me will never go hungry. How significant that was in an ancient world where food wasn't guaranteed, where hunger existed much more then than in our modern Western American world. Jesus referred to himself as the way, the truth, and the life, which also spoke to a variety of worldviews in that present context. And as Jesus described himself, it's also important for us to not limit Jesus to just those metaphors. On one hand, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, Unless that happens, you can do nothing. So Jesus, on one hand, is talking about the organic, organic connection that, that we have as followers of Jesus, yet we should never limit him to that metaphor because Jesus isn't just planted in the ground like a, a vine. Jesus moves and breathes and follows and leads us and walks behind us. Jesus is the bread of life is a helpful metaphor, but it is... Uh, Limiting in this sense because Jesus is more than just an inanimate object. If you could say it this way, each of the metaphors that Jesus applies about himself are signs that point to himself as the greater reality. So, for example, if you're driving to the Grand Canyon, you might see a sign that says Grand Canyon, 125 miles ahead. And that sign points you to the reality. And it's important in relation to the actual Grand Canyon, but it's not the Grand Canyon itself. These metaphors help us understand who Jesus is, especially in light of the variety of metaphors that Jesus uses about himself. 
And yet we have to look beyond and through those signs, the reality of who Jesus is. Now, here's what's interesting. From my vantage point, we can forget the significant meaning behind these signs because many of them are removed from our everyday, modern, Western context. We don't go around, most of us, seeing shepherds everywhere. Most of us uh, go around not uh, desperately needing our next meal. Uh, As we go through life, we can see modern things around us and forget just how central and significant Jesus is. And so it's important for us, not only as we come to Jesus through the signs and symbols and the the stories of Scripture, but also we come to Jesus through the signs and symbols and the stories that are all around us. Because Colossians says that everything around us has been made by Jesus. Ultimately, Jesus is the creator of all things. And yes, there are humans that have made products, but ultimately behind those people is a creator. So in many ways, Jesus is behind it all, and we can actually move through life seeing the world around us differently. And that happened to me a couple weeks ago when I went camping with my two boys. Now, there's this great spot outside Los Angeles that even on a holiday weekend where everywhere else is booked, the secret spot that I know to go to is never full. If you want to know that spot, reach out to me. I'll let you know. I'm not going to broadcast it or else it's not going to be a secret spot anymore. But it was one of those things where last minute, literally the morning of Memorial Day weekend, I made a decision to take my two boys camping. Didn't have a reservation, but I knew that spot would be wide open. Drove up there, not too far from L.A., got there. We pitched our tent. We started making dinner. It was this amazing scene. Spent the night, had the next day. We were hiking, enjoying all the scenery around us in this alpine setting. Great neighbors around us. And in the midst of all of that, I also had to... I also had to stay connected to the world that I left behind here in Los Angeles. I needed to reach out to my wife. I needed to be available in case she needed to reach out to me. Uh, I had to connect with some people in our church leadership in advance for some big events coming up. There was something I needed to register for. Uh, There was also a storm that I had heard was moving in. I needed to stay connected to the the weather service. And so all of this connection uh, was enabled to me through this, this singular device. And it's really remarkable because I I imagine that many of us here today, as we partake in this service, have a smartphone. And this smartphone is, on one hand, something I can take so much for granted. The ability of access that I have to so many things in my life, the ability to communicate, to be communicated to. And all of that uh, access, all of that information All of that communication in one instant was cut off on that Saturday afternoon while camping because the touchscreen stopped working. I don't know what happened. I didn't drop it. I didn't leave it out in the sun. Uh, I don't know. All of a sudden, this this touchscreen on my smartphone didn't work. I, I would press it. Nothing would happen. I'd press the buttons. Things would change on the touchscreen, but I couldn't get through beyond the touchscreen. So some of you, if you have iPhones, you know that you can actually hold the three buttons and it begins to do this. And I thought, okay, well, let's, let's, let's do that. It, it still didn't work. 
and I'm trying to figure out, okay, how can I get this fixed? I plugged it in, didn't work. And so I held it longer. And as I held it longer, all of a sudden, I, apparently I held it too long and it started to go whoop, whoop, whoop. And it started calling 911. But without a touch screen, I had no ability to hang up the call. And at this point, I'm in my parked car with it plugged in. My boys are outside running around in the campsite. And all of a sudden, my speakers in my car, I hear, 911, what's your emergency? And my initial response was, I can't get my touchscreen to work. And I was going to finish the sentence to say, I don't have an emergency. But they cut me off and they said, that's your emergency? So embarrassed at this moment. I can't get off the call and I just, I'm so sorry. My touchscreen isn't working. I'm camping. I'm trying to figure it out. My apologies. I have no emergency, no emergency. Thank you very much. And they hung up. Still, I had no ability to get through to be reached out to because my touchscreen was broken. In that moment, I, I, I realized just how essential, just how integral just how indispensable the touchscreen is to all the functions of my smartphone. And so, in that moment, I, I realized, I, I, I've got to figure this out. It started getting darker. The wind started kicking up. I could tell the storm was coming in. I didn't know how significant it was if I needed to pack up and leave. And it started to get really intense. And so I started taking my boys and we started walking the campsite, trying to find something just to borrow a phone to check the weather, to reach out to my wife. Finally got to a couple a younger couple, and uh, they both had these big phones, and they had those, you know, little holders in the back. I could tell that they were pros at the phone, and so I said, hey, I'm so sorry. Uh, my phone stopped working, the screen, lock screen, the touch screen stopped working. Can I borrow your phone to reach out to my wife? They said, oh, well, we can fix your phone. And I said, I, I've tried everything, and they said, well, can we try? And so they held down the three buttons. They started to call 911. I said, no, no, stop, 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 stop. They stopped, and then she said, oh, Oh, I know what to do. Give me a second. And she did this like magical combo of button presses. It was like up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, A, start. It was this crazy combo that I'd never seen before. And all of a sudden, it unlocked. In an instant, the touchscreen that was formerly disabled was now enabled. I, in that instant, had access. I had information. I had the ability to, to use all the functionality of my smartphone, I thanked her. I reached out to my wife to just check in on her. I checked the weather, it wasn't too bad. And the rest of the trip went on without a hitch. But I realized in that moment, this thing that I use so frequently is rendered disabled when the touchscreen stops working. And as I've looked back on that moment and I realized how integral this is to my life. I do the vast majority of my work emails on this. I, I communicate through this more than a, a laptop, how frequently I use this throughout the day. It's, it's almost an extension of myself. I realized that the touchscreen is the way in. And without it, all of this is lost. In the same way, I realized, looking back, that there is this sign that lives in my hand that can point to a greater reality, and it's this. In the same way that Jesus is the bread of life, in the same way that he is the good shepherd, in the same way that he is the vine and we are the branches, could it be that Jesus is also the touchscreen of life? Now go with me here. Again, I know that this 
sign is not found in Scripture, and yet I want to point to this Jesus that we know in Scripture and we know and experience through this modern sign of a touchscreen. And there's three things that I see that a touchscreen enables me to experience that I see in Scripture are the same three things that Jesus enables me and you to experience in our everyday life. And the first of the three things is this. The touchscreen gives me access. Touchscreen gives me access to almost everything in my life. It's remarkable. This touchscreen enables me to access my email, my text. Uh, it enables me to access my photos, my social media. It enables me to access my bank accounts. Uh, it enables me to access my home security. Uh, it enables me to access my thermostat in my home. As these phones have gotten smarter and smarter and smarter and smarter, it has given me more and more and more and more and more access. In fact, I have all of my theological commentaries, exegetical helps, I have all of them on my phone. I have every sermon that I've ever written on my phone. I have everything that I've ever written for the church on my phone. I have access to all of it. And beyond that, I have access to the internet where I can research things. I can look into things. It is absolutely remarkable, the level of access. But without that touchscreen, the access is cut off. In the same way, Jesus gives us access to infinitely more than what a smartphone can give us. First and foremost, Jesus gives us access to God. Going through my touch screen, I want to read some uh, verses for you that remind us of the level of access that Jesus gives us. And a reminder that we can so easily take these things for granted. I can type in right now, just to give you an example. Bible verses about access to God. Often it takes me to one of my favorite um, scripture websites, and it's openbible.info. And I want you just to hear some of the passages that Jesus says about the level of access that only he gives us. This is John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, when we think about our personal smartphone, there is only one screen that can enable us to get into the particularities of that which is in our phone. In the same way, there is one God, and there's only one access point, and that's Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12 says this, that in Jesus, we have boldness and access and confidence to God through our faith in Jesus. Hebrews 4.16 then says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in all of our help in times of need. As you go through life, you're going to experience the ups and downs that I, that everybody experiences there's going to be the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. There's going to be conflict with a loved one, with a coworker. There's going to be moments in which you're going to receive news from a doctor, a financial advisor. 
You're going to get a bill that all of a sudden shows up. There's going to be a new reality that pops up. And in those moments, that which you turn to makes all the difference in the world, not only internally, but externally as you move through that circumstance. And we need to be reminded that the greatest hope that we have in our life, the greatest resource that we have for peace, for security, for joy, for confidence, for humility, for the strength to forgive, for the, the path to reconcile with the loved one, with the ability to put forth goodness into the world rather than just take or to add badness to the world. Our greatest resource is God and we have full access to God and all the gifts that God gives and all the perspective that God has through one touch point, through one access point, and that's Jesus. What if every time you open up your phone and you saw that touch screen light up and perhaps some of you, you have the face ID recognition to go through or some of you, you type in the passcode. What if every single moment moving forward is just a, a simple and subtle reminder to you about how Jesus gives you access to God the Father? But it's not just access to God the Father in a relational sort of way. It's access to the fullness of life. Jesus says in John 10, 10, I have come to give you life and life to the full. All the things that you're trying to get, that you're trying to get access to by earning enough, by studying enough, by getting into the right group or the right school, by looking the right way, all the things that you're trying to get access to are just a shadow of the fullness of that which God wants to shower you with and that access comes through Jesus Christ. Imagine what it would be like to move through this world with such security and such confidence that you didn't have to prove yourself to anybody. That even those seasons where your health fades or perhaps your reputation fades or your wealth begins to crumble, that you would have this security because there's something that can never be taken away from you and you have access to that through a relationship with Jesus Christ. All throughout Scripture, we are reminded of all the promises that are secure for us that God wants to give, and we have access singularly through Jesus. But we have more than access to the things on our phone. We have the ability to know and be known. And without a touchscreen, in many ways it cuts it off for me. But with the touchscreen, I'm able to enter in and I can know and be known by not only my closest loved ones and my family and friends, but also people in my life. We live in a world where we communicate to one another, not just in the physical proximity, but also digitally. And we have to acknowledge that in this world, there are ways in which we can get to know and be known to one another, not just when we're together, but also when we're apart through digital means. I mean, right here, right now. You have a sense of getting to know me through some of the stories that I've been able to share, and yet it is limited because I don't get to know you, and yet we have this invitation for every single person to simply take the next step to go to belair.org forward slash connect to make yourself known. And we have people, not only in Los Angeles, not only in the United States, but around the globe who have made that step, who have gone to the website 
who navigate into bellair.org forward slash connect, fill out a form and we reach out to you and we can know what you're going through. You can make yourself known through this digital means going through that touch screen, whether it's a smartphone or maybe through your laptop. And it's this remarkable ability where we can enter into a deeper relationship with one another. The amount of powerful prayers that we've been able to have with people in the digital space, the resources that we've been able to provide for people in the digital space, the ability to provide encouragement and hope to people across the digital space is absolutely remarkable. And in the same way, Jesus is the only entry point through which we can ever know God and be known by God, and in doing so, to fully know ourselves and each other. Some remarkable passages in Scripture that speak to this. The Gospel, according to John, uh, the Gospel writer uh, writes about this remarkable truth. I'll read the whole section, and I want you to pick up on the significance of Jesus making God's self known and us being known by him. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, this is about Jesus, was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. And the light, it shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Then it goes on and says this. In verse 18, no one has ever seen God. However, it is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. The only way we can truly get to know God is through Jesus. Unless we go through Jesus, we get a distorted view of who God is. In fact, Jesus says in the road to Emmaus, found in the gospel according to Luke, that all of scripture ultimately is about Jesus. Jesus is the revelation of God, as it says in Colossians 1, that he is the image of the invisible God. The writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 1 says that long ago God spoke through many different prophets, but now speaks most fully through the Son of God. You see, Jesus makes God fully known to us. And he came full of both grace and truth. There's so many misunderstandings of who God is. We can either think of him as this like slot machine, vending machine in the sky. We might think of him as this angry, you know, upset overlord or, or upset father. Uh, we can think of him as just absolutely removed and not caring about his creation. But Jesus draws near to us longing to Make God known. In fact, in one of the longest prayers ever recorded that Jesus prays, this is found in John 17, the vast majority of what Jesus is praying to God the Father about is you and me. And the subject is about you and me knowing God and being known by God. This is so close to Jesus' heart. And as we move through life, we actually will never know God, we'll never know ourselves, and we'll really never know each other unless we enter in and through a relationship with Jesus. 
In the same way that the touch screen enables me to know and be known by others, Jesus gives us an opportunity to know ourselves. Psalm 139 says that you were knit together in your mother's womb, that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. How important is that to be known for all of us? You know, as we go through life, we can have self-doubts. It's one thing, but we can begin to slip into self-loathing that I believe grieves God's heart because in those moments we forget just how precious and beloved and beautifully made we are. We can believe lies about ourselves. Uh, we can move from a place of guilt to shame and not say, I made a mistake, to I am a mistake. And we move from guilt of, oh, I failed in that way, to I am a failure. In the amount of hurt and pain that is quiet under the surface that that I see, that I'm aware of just within our church family and within my friends and within society is at an all-time high, it seems. And the greatest way in which we can move forward in life with humble confidence is to be known by our Maker. And the only way into that, the only way through to that is through Jesus. I believe that the greatest cure for this epidemic of self-loathing is a relationship with Jesus. There's no classes, there's no techniques, uh, there's no amount of money, there's no amount of affirmation, there's no amount of participation trophies that will get to the level that Jesus can to, to heal our view of ourselves when viewed in relationship to who and how God views us. To know the links that Jesus went to out of love for you and for me. He loved you that much that he laid down his life for you. And so as you... Use your phone as you enter in through a touch screen to text, to email, to call, to post on social media, to enter into relationship with other people. Would it be a reminder for you in the, in the days and weeks and months and years ahead that it is through Jesus that we can know and be known by God? But it's not just access. It's not just being known and knowing there's also a transformation that happens when we enter through a touchscreen on a phone. You see, it's true that actually as I go through my phone, there is a level of transformation that I can affect in the world. The slightest text can transform a person's day, either good or bad. The words and the tone that I use on a phone call can transform somebody's day for good or for bad. What I post on social media through that touchscreen can transform not just an individual, but a group of people. It can transform their perspective of life or their mood for good or for bad. But also in the same way that through this touchscreen, I am transformed. The things that I choose to go to transform my perspective for good or for bad. What I put into the world and what I allow into my heart and mind, it, it transforms me. The amount of studies that are coming out that have revealed just how transformative smartphones and social media is. It is absolutely remarkable when we get into some of the, the deeper discussions about the algorithm on social media and how it's literally rewiring our brain to have a perspective that is so 
solidified in the echo chamber of social media, that as we run to particular social media and media outlets that, that perpetuate a view, it, it, it transforms how we think, it transforms how we act, it transforms our perceptions of ourselves and other people. And I really believe that, that we've been transformed to believe that we are more divided than we actually are. And I've never seen in my short life that is getting longer by the year, the level of division that we have in our society. And yet when I have conversations with people, people are willing to, to enter into conversation. And yet there's something that happens through these smartphones that instantly and quickly and rapidly and powerfully divides us. In the same way, Jesus is the entry point for our greatest transformation in our lives, but also the greatest transformative power that we can ever affect on the world, always in a positive way. I love Romans chapter 12. It says this, some of you, you're on your smartphone or you've got a printed Bible. Romans 12 verse one says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. To summarize, Paul is saying that this life is a life of worship. It's a life of giving yourself to God. That we, we present our entire lives to God as an act of worship. And then he goes on in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There is a transformation that happens when you enter through Jesus into a relationship with God. There's a transformation that happens when you approach Scripture through Jesus. That You don't see this as a list of principles that some you like and some you don't like. When you enter into through Jesus, you don't just read Scripture, you allow Scripture to read you. And Jesus has given you the Holy Spirit to discern, to understand, to have insight to God's heart for who you are and how God has longed for you to live in this world. And it begins, it begins to transform you. The Psalms say this, I think it's Psalms 27, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and God will give you the desires of your heart. I used to think that that meant uh, if I have desires, things that I want, things that I want to get in my life that I don't currently have, the way to get them is to simply just delight in the Lord. It was this misunderstanding of the passage. I thought that God was the means to my end, but that's not at all what the psalmist means. The psalmist is saying that when you delight in the Lord, when you cultivate that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, when you spend time in prayer, when you spend time studying scripture, when you spend time practicing the way of Jesus, your desires begin to change. And the desires that are in your heart, the desires in your mind are desires that God placed into your heart and desires that God placed into your mind. And I found that as I've been following Jesus for over 22 years, that, that the things that I long for, are very different than the things that I longed for as an 18-year-old before I was in relationship with Jesus. But also, the things that I long for today are different than the things that I longed for 
10 years ago while I was in a relationship with Jesus. You see, there's been this not light switch transformation of being living all for me and my desires to completely all for God and all for God's desires, but there has been this dying to self, so to speak, while being alive in Christ. And there's steps backward and there's steps forward. I can get busy with life. I can allow other things to, to influence my thinking. And I, I get transformed back into those things. As Paul says in Romans 12, I, I get conformed to the world. But I need to remember that daily there's this opportunity to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. That's God's will and perfect will and hope for my life and for your life as well. You'll find that as you cultivate that relationship with Jesus, it will transform you. You will become a more patient person. You'll become a more humble person. You'll become a more confident person. You'll be more secure in, you, in who you are. Uh, you'll be comfortable with your weaknesses. You'll be able to take criticism without falling apart or having such a, a hard-headedness that you can't receive any criticism. There is an absolutely remarkable transformation that happens and as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, the transformation that happens through the power of the Spirit, you become transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. As you follow Jesus, you become more like Jesus. And this is not an external imitation. It is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It is an internal transformation that is partly mysterious, Partly simple and mundane, partly miraculous, where you begin to embody Christ because Christ is dwelling in you. You become transformed and people will look at you and say, what happened to you? You're so much kinder. You're so much quicker to forgive. You're so much more generous. What, what happened? And when you were cultivating that relationship with Jesus, rather than just following a list of do's and don'ts, the answer will always be, Jesus has done it in my life. I'm being transformed. And you can too. But in doing so, not only will you be transformed, but transformation will flow through you to every relationship that you're in, every work that you do, every community that you're a part of, and that is the great call of God upon our lives. We're called not just to be private followers of Jesus, but we're supposed to be public with our faith in a way that isn't obnoxious, but people look at our lives as something attractive. As Scripture says, a sweet aroma to those around us. There was this great quote that actually has been unearthed and discovered. Uh, Julian, uh, you've heard me read this before. Uh, he was an emperor uh, in the early centuries, uh, before Constantine, after Nero, and, and he was pulling his hair out. He was so frustrated. He was so upset that the early Christians were spreading so much. And he writes this quote after trying to revive paganism and failing it. He writes this quote to a colleague, and he says, uh, these, these impious Christians that believe this superstition. The problem is they don't only take care of their poor, but they take care of our poor as well. And it was unstoppable. The love 
that came through the Christian community in the first few centuries transformed society. There is a desperate need of transformation today, and there's no level of transformation that can happen like Christ-centered, spirit-driven, God-glorifying transformation. And in the same way that the touchscreen is the way into that, Jesus is the only way to a complete transformation that from God's point of view, from God's eternal perspective, has already happened. You've heard me say this before, that God is outside of time, that God is in the eternal present. We are stuck in time. We have a past, we have a present, we have a future, but God, it's all now. And so from God's eternal vantage point, God can see the transformation that God has accomplished through Jesus, through the church. And we can read about it, for one example, in the book of Revelation, where Jesus will set all things right. He will make all things new. He will wipe away every tear from our eye where there will be this future reality where we will transform tools for war into tools for cultivating the earth. God will dwell with us here in the new heavens and the new earth. That is not wishful thinking. That's reality from God's point of view in which history is moving towards. This is not about human progress. This is not about secularism. This is allowing Jesus through the power of the church and the Holy Spirit to be part of ushering in God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And so, as we read about the life of Jesus, as he says things about himself that are signs that point to him as a reality, that help illuminate who he is, these signs in our life today also help point us to the reality of who Jesus is. So, this touchscreen which is so connected to you. What if you allow it to be a prompt, a spiritual practice, that every time you get to this touchscreen, which perhaps is hundreds or thousands of times a day, that you wouldn't mindlessly go through it into whatever you're going to, but it would just be this simple touch of a reminder of how significant and central and indispensable Jesus is in your life. Infinitely more than this, God has come through Jesus, to give you life and life to the full. That's what Jesus longs for you, to give you access to God the Father, to know and be known by your maker, and to be transformed and transform all the things and people and areas that God longs for there to be transformation. That's my prayer for you. It's my hope for you. That's why we exist as a church, to equip you to follow Jesus every day and everywhere with everyone. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are infinitely more than we could ever put into words, and yet words help us to draw close to you. And so my hope and my prayer is that the Spirit of God would use these concepts as we ultimately go to Scripture and ultimately get to you to reveal to us how lovely how beautiful, how essential, how central you are in our lives as individuals, but our lives as a community. May we reach for you more frequently than we reach for our phone. But even as we reach for our phones, would that be a reminder to reach for you in our hearts and our minds in whatever we do. 
In Jesus' mighty and matchless name I pray, and we say together, amen.